0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Mark Joseph Bennett, coming to you, recorded from the Toyota Prius recording studio. I tell you what, everybody, I'm all all over the place. Really, Mark? You? All over the place? That's a surprise. Obviously, I got my headphones on again. I got to stop right now and say I have my headphones on. And I hate the sound of my own voice. Honest to God. Are you, it's, is it just me? Do you all hate the sound of my voice? No, but I mean, you, does everybody, I think everybody hates the sound of their own voice when they hear it. I wonder if there's anyone who hears their voice recorded for the first time and goes, oh, wow, that's, that's much better than I thought. That sounds great. I doubt it. I certainly has not happened with me. When like I used to audition for commercials and, And TV shows and movies and stuff like that. You know, when I tried, guys, when I tried at life and uh, down in the United States, they all thought I was from the southern United States. Even that happens to me a lot up here, too. I don't know why people new I guess we talk out of the side of our mouths. Anyway, if you if you just tuned into the podcast, I'm from an east coast part of Canada called Newfoundland. And in that in no way is like the southern United States. Except that, you know, a lot of us are backward hicks, you know. There's some there's some down there, and there's some in Newfoundland. Not all guys. You guys in southern United States, I'm not saying you're all backward hicks. All you guys in Newfoundland, of course, you're not all backward hicks. In fact, I have listeners in both areas. And you guys, you guys are awesome. Anyway, it's, a, it's amazing, you know. I don't believe in ADD, ADHD, or ADHHHD, or... It, whatever the fuck they're calling it these days. I don't believe in it. It was invented. I, I Listen, I, I rail on about this on the podcast. It was invented by the pharmaceutical companies when they realized Ritalin was safe for kids, in their opinion. It's definitely not safe. But they pretended it was, they were like, hey, we can, we can market this to kids. What do kids have? Yes, hey, kids don't ever shut up. Yeah, that's good, Robbie. They don't ever shut up. So let's just fucking... Let's just give them pills that make them shut up. Anyway, don't believe in it. However, I can see if you did believe in it, why you would think a lot of comedians have the ADD, ADHD. Because, I mean, I I literally, I put on headphones, and all of a sudden, I've completely lost the entire concept of the podcast I was going to do. Let's get back to it. Let's get on point. Ladies and gentlemen, I am a comedian. I'm a stand up comedian by trade. And I'll tell you what trade by trade. What is that? Where does that come from? It's my trade. I guess back in the days of bartering, right? It's like if you made horseshoes and somebody else killed chickens, you say, Can I get one of those chickens you killed and I'll give you a horseshoe? And then you trade, right? So that's my trade. My trade is I give you a horseshoe. So what would I, do? back in the day, my trade would have been, would have been uh, telling poo jokes. I tell you what, buddy, you give me that horseshoe and I'm going to tell you a joke and you may or may not laugh. Man, being a stand-up comic would have been even worse back then. You have, you have no value. I, I admit I barely have value now. But you got to no, you had no value in the bartering system, you would think, I always, I always think back to olden times of comedians. All, all, the only job was court jester. I, I, that can't be the only job. That's all anybody can ever think of about people who were funny back in the day. There had to be people getting paid to tell stories like Socrates and shit. I bet Socrates was funny. They don't write that in the books. Plato didn't write that. He was jealous. He didn't want to admit how funny Socrates was. So he left that part out. But listen, nobody's going to gather around and listen to a guy drone on for hours at a time if he's not cracking a few, you know. I always that's that's one of the things that I've always hated that comedy is is equated with court jester in many ways. Like there was a la, uh, an episode of Last Comic Standing, and uh, one of my friends was on that episode, Deborah Giovanni, hilarious comedian, and she called me before they they were shooting the episode. She was so. Livid. Very upset. Because they put all the comedians in court jester outfits. They had to... And then they had to go do some challenge. Because at the time, Last Comic Standing, it was a lot more like Survivor. You had to do challenges. Like, whereas nowadays... I don't even know if they fucking air it anymore. But nowadays, they just... They just do stand-up. And uh, and then you're, you're eliminated based on audience voting. But early on, they used to do challenges. Chal- challenges... <laughs> Challenges and shit. I haven't been drinking, by the way. I do plan to drink later this evening, but I have not. That's one of the things. I tell you what I love about the, I love a lot about doing the podcast, but when it's done, I feel like I accomplished something because I accomplish things so rarely. So when I've finished recording it, then I always open up a beer while I'm uploading it. And I tell you, it's a nice feeling. It's a nice feeling to 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 crack the old beer and be like, you know what? I, I sort of did something. I recorded my ramblings for 45 minutes, uploaded them into the atmosphere for free, and, uh, you know, people may or may not listen to it. Pat myself on the back. Job well done, my friend. Nose to the grindstone, working hard here. But, yeah, she had to wear a court jester uh, outfit, and, uh, yeah, uh, she, rightfully so, she was upset. No, but uh, but she did it, and uh, she didn't humiliate herself. Like it, it ended up going pretty good. But it's just that that we're clowns. You know, we're not fucking clowns. We're sarcastic assholes who are subversive. We 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 cut to the quick. We get to the heart of the matter. And if the politicians or the reality TV shows or the who or who knows, whoever needs to be taken down a peg, we're here to do it. Even if it's just some hot girl who talks to nerds incorrectly. We're there to take you down, sister. That's that's our job. We're fucking... We're policemen. We're not court jesters. We're security. We are verbal security. That's, that's what we are. Yeah, I, I think... I, I, should, I should popularize that. We're not... Here to kill time, you know a lot of the, that's another thing I hear a lot about comedy is that uh it's just it's a nice way to go out and kill time. No, kill time for what? until you're dead Nah, we are we are the thought police. Wait, isn't the thought police a bad thing? Yeah, we're not the thought police we're we're you know what did I say earlier? Something security? We're uh, intellectual security. That's what I'll call it. That's the term I was looking for as I was just rambling around. I'm taking these headphones off right now. Oh, goodness gracious. That feels a lot better. Oh, my God. Guys, now the podcast can really take off. Sure, there may be audio glitches because I am unaware of them. But, oh, Lord, Lipton Cup of Soup. I feel good. Oh, I feel good. Anyway, let's, uh, let's just get back on track. All right. Now that the headphones are off, I can finally concentrate, and I'll say that I'm a comedian by trade. All right, (laughs) who clearly has what many people would call ADHD, and being a comedian like you, if you're listening, if you guys are listening to my podcast, chances are you're listening to other comedians' podcasts. It's one, you know, a few of you probably. And what you might notice as a difference between me and the other comedians is they will often talk about their shows. They will go, hey, for, uh, uh, talk to the, the club in Arizona. just want to thank all the people for coming out. Great show. Great time. You won't hear me say that. I tend to dwell on the negative. And here's the thing. If those other comedians... It, Every single show when they, that they say, oh, it's just had a great time out there. Great people. Had a lot of fun. The venue was amazing. I'd like, to thank all the audience for coming out. Not all of those shows are good. It just, it never is the case. It's never the case that they're all good. And it doesn't mean you're not a good comedian. It's just some shows are shit. It just fucking happens. Sometimes it's out of your control. Sometimes it might be a little in, control, in your control, but you weren't perfect. You know, you didn't sleep well. You fucked it up, you know it happens. You go, you go watch a concert. I saw Pearl Jam in Hamilton. I may have said this on the podcast. Who fucking cares? Is free. I saw Pearl Jam in Hamilton. Uh, I just drove out to the Cops Coliseum. Is that what it's called? I don't know. Who gives a shit? And Eddie Vedder got wicked, wicked drunk because he was supposed to be. Well, what he wanted, he wanted to be at his best friend in the world. His best friend in the world was getting married, and he was supposed to be the best man. But because of a scheduling conflict, he couldn't control it because, you know, a Pearl Jam tour is a lot bigger than one member of the band. There's a lot of moving parts. And so they were like, no, you have to be in Hamilton. Hamilton. Ontario. Like, people from Hamilton usually don't want to be in Hamilton. And... Eddie Vedder has to be there instead of, and he actually called his friend uh, on, and, and he put his friend on speakerphone, and he put it up to the microphone, and said, and he said to all of us in a drunken steward, tell, tell Harry that you're sorry, or whatever the fuck his name was, and we all had to go, I'm sorry, Harry, and then, uh, then he hung up, and so it was a real thing, they were, apparently he'd been friends with this guy since he was like five years old. And he was very upset, and the show was not that great. you know that 's just he he fell down several times he actually he he fell backwards so hard his head went through an amplifier, like it just completely destroyed the amp, and of course, security or i don 't know some medical staff ran out to grab him to see if he was all right, and he shrugged him off like a like a true veteran. He shrugged him off and got up and continued and can't find the better man or whatever the fuck he was singing. And like I'm, you know, while the show wasn't uh, very technically good, I mean it left an impression on me. I don't remember a lot of things in my life, and if you guys, if you um, know of a pill that I can take to give me a memory, that'd be great, like ginkgo biloba or something. I think people take that one for the memory, the cognition. My like I just I remember small flashes for the from the first 39 years of my life. I don't have a fucking clue what happens day to day. I watch every Stanley Cup final game, every Stanley Cup playoff game, and I have done so since I've been about 14 years old, and I can only tell you the last two winners of the Stanley Cup because it was my favorite team Pittsburgh. I can't tell you who won Three years ago, I said that to my wife the other day. She goes, isn't it Chicago? And I think she's right. And I say think in all sincerity. I do not know. I can't remember a fucking thing. But I do remember that Eddie Vedder concert. Because the Pearl Jam. Because he just, he was a mess. It was a notable thing to have seen. It's it's quite a story. And uh, so anyway. The reason I got there is what I'm saying is that not all shows go great. And sometimes it is your fault. You know, Eddie, you just got super drunk. He was drinking champagne by the way, the whole time, because he was saying, I'm going to get drunk here. Like I'd get drunk at their wedding on champagne. You got to hand it to the guy, you know, he fucking, uh, any, I I swear to Christ, he didn't miss a beat. Like he sang every line. Didn't fuck a thing up. You know, he was, I, there's no way he remembers that concert. No way. He was so drunk being held up at times. So I'm saying is there's no way that every show you're doing is great. And to hear these comics time and time again, oh, thanks, great show out there, go fuck yourself. They're not all great. So let's get into me, then. I um, uh, See, I'll, I'll preface this by saying, oh, and I'll give you a bit of a health update. I'll probably put that, there's something about my health in the title of this, maybe. Do you give a shit about me dying? Do you care at this point? Do I talk too much about it? Maybe. And for those of you... I'm not dying, I don't think, anyway, but I got bad bones. And anyway, I got I got back uh, a report. Hey, you know what? Fuck it. Let's talk about it now. Jesus Christ, right? I'll get back into the stand-up comedy in a second. But, yeah, all right. For those of you who aren't listening to this podcast on a regular basis... Uh, I have a very low bone density. My bones are just shit. I broke a pile of ribs these past few years, and the doctors have no idea why. So at first they thought it was this tumor-induced osteomalacia, TIO. And there's this, uh, so they say there's probably a small tumor somewhere, benign, not cancerous, most likely. We'll just cut that out, and your bones will start to come back to normal. I said, fucking all right, here we go. Let's get a bear to rip it out with his teeth. That's just, it sounded manly to me, you know? We're just gonna tear out a tumor and your bones will come back stronger than ever. Like Steve Reeves. Is that that the million dollar man? Steve McQueen? I don't fucking know. I think it's, who's the million dollar man? Who gives a shit? Let's keep going. Turns out they did a lot of scans, couldn't find the tumor, all right? So then they started saying, I have HHRH, hereditary hypophosphatemic uh, rickets with hypercalceria. Woo! Remembered it. Didn't think I would. Um, And that one, they think, well, at least Josh, fucking Josh, he is the assistant to my geneticist. Because I see an endocrinologist, but that's not enough, apparently, because she couldn't find the tumor. So now I'm referred to a geneticist. And uh, that was supposed to take years, but my endocrinologist rushed the fucking thing. And then, uh, so these geneticists, the lab assistant, I think is what he is, uh, Josh, he uh, asked me point blank, are your parents related? Like a fucking, you know, Jesus Christ, right? So like, yeah, yeah, brother and sister. Did I not mention that? Was that important? Is that pertinent information? Do you mean my parents shouldn't be related? That's bad for my genetics. If my, is, are you sure, Josh? Are you fucking, you idiot? So I said, of course they're not related. Yeah. Piece of shit. And he said, well, maybe somewhere along the line, there there was a relation there because that's you know, and, and then you're going to get on a, a, a the something, FG. 23 chromosome there's there's going to be a, a mutation and he said and you know you're going to have you're you're going to have two mutations is what he said because everybody has two of these genes so if you have one of the genes you can have some symptoms and if you have the two of the genes mutated and if two of your genes mutated then chances are there is uh, a strong chance that there's a, a relation in your family because it's such a rare thing for one of those genes to be actually mutated. So if you have two of those genes mutated, meaning you got one from your mom and one from your dad, and they were both mutated, then there's something fucking wrong, and chances are your family is related. So Joshy, old Joshy boy, he starts saying, yeah, well, we're going to find mutation on both genes, because there's no way someone's bones can be this bad. I've never seen it, you know? Even though he said he saw one case before of somebody who had both genes mutated, and that person was in a wheelchair and couldn't get around and do anything. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm I'm fine, except my bones are really low density. So he said, yeah, 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 but it wouldn't manifest like that. And then my sister looks it up, and she says, actually, if there's one mutation, then, um, yeah, that can manifest itself in low bone density later in life, just like you. And I'm like, you're goddamn right, Amanda. So... But there's still a genetic link, which, you know, still means there could be somebody related down the line who had sex who shouldn't have had sex. So guess what do you think happened, guys? We got the results. Did I have two genes mutated and definitely have related parents? Or one gene mutated and perhaps related grandparents or great-grandparents? Something like that. Which one is it? It's a trick question. It's a trick fucking question. Because it was neither. So let me tell you something, Josh. You are cruising for a bruising, my friend. There's a punch to your face waiting to come. I'm going to wait till my bones get better. But when they do, are your parents related? Not even one mutation of the FG23 gene or whatever the fuck we were looking at. Nothing. So now there's no evidence of hereditary hypocalceria rickets and no evidence that uh, I was born in, into an incestuous family, which is kind of that's kind of good news. You know, but as old Joshy boy was saying, he says, uh, yeah, but, you know, now we don't have a diagnosis. So sorry about that. We have no idea. And I was like, oh, well, maybe it's the tumor thing, because the tumors can be so small. that." And, and he was like, oh, I have no idea. I have no idea about cancerous tumors that cause uh, bone loss. Uh, so you'll have to talk to your, your um, endocrinologist about that. I was like, well, they're not actually cancerous. They're benign tumors, and it's called uh, TIO, and, and I know a bit about it, but, but thanks. It's a good fucking thing I do know about it, Josh. Boy, this guy this guy shoots from the hip, you know? As soon as I say could it could be something else, well, I don't know about cancerous tumors. It may be. You might as well, you might as well check it out. It's a good fucking thing I knew. Otherwise, you'd be all panicked. What do you mean cancerous? Oh, Josh with his fucking goatee. What is it? 1988. Christ Almighty. So anyway, and I say to him, well, could it be the TIO then, right? And he says, oh, well, we're definitely not taking uh, um, hereditary rickets off the table. I'm like, no, of course you're not. Josh, of course, and he goes, we're going to do a lot more gene testing and we're going to see what we can find. Fucking guy. Anyway, my actual geneticist, she seems cool, but uh, she's got to get a better right hand man. I got to say. This fucking guy does not know how to talk to people spouting off at the mouth long before he knows shit. Listen to that. Are your parents related yeah, I'm pretty sure they are because you're definitely going to have two mutated genes judging by the uh situation that I see. And I'm sitting here supposed to be the layman arguing with him saying, "No, that doesn't seem right because of ABC." And he's like, "No, no, no, trust me." "Oh yeah, bud? What about now? What do you got to say now, Josh?" "No mutation." So, This leads me to, oh, uh, don't worry, though. There's more bad news. Uh, I have uh, Factor five. They tested me for a blood clotting disorder uh, because my mother did have that. And uh, so we tested that as well. Now that, so you can get blood clots. uh, You don't necessarily have to get them, but you are susceptible to them. And now uh, I have to go on a 15-hour flight to fucking Argentina. Because my lovely wife thinks it's great to travel and interact with people and live life. And you know what? I don't. I think it's better to stay at home in my apartment and never leave. But do I ever win that argument? No. No, we got to fly to Argentina 15 hours with a fucking 14-month-old baby. That should be lots of fun. And let's not forget the blood clots just shooting up my legs into my brain. So now I got to get compression socks like a fucking, you, what am I, 900? Like I have, I have paper thin bones and I'm wearing compression socks pulled up to my knees on a fucking airplane. Honest to God, everybody. Like I expected to get old, but I didn't expect it to happen all at once. You know, I went from a young strapping man in my early 30s to a fucking just degenerate. I'm just a, oh, I'm a decrepit old piece of crap. Anywho, still got my mind, except my memory. But I'll get on that geek-o-bloba. What was I talking about? Speaking of memory loss. Yeah, so, got the factor five. Got to go to Argentina. Right. I have no idea what's causing this, you know, this fucking bone disorder. Now, it could always be, you know, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, some kind of cancer that they can't detect. It's always possible. I would think it's unlikely, but, you know. And then, you know, my wife said today, you know, what if it's just low bone density? Maybe just, you know, she, one of her coworkers, workers uh, one of her co-workers' sons, apparently he's 25 and he was just diagnosed with osteoporosis. And, um, you know, they, they just, they really, they don't have any reason for him. They were just like, yeah, some people have low bone density. That's what they told that guy. I don't know, so maybe that's the case. But the way that my endocrinologist is looking around like a nutcase, I mean, I don't think, I think there's always a reason. There's got to be something. Anyway, if it's the low phosphorus among the phosphorus pills, we'll see how that goes. But we're moving on. And we're moving on from that, but it's related to that. All right, it's about life and health, right? My wife, my wife. Everybody has to do a borite when they say wife. This guy, that's, that's the influence that that man has had. My wife, um, she ta- she's thinking about buying a house in Ottawa. Now, of course, that affects me as I'm married to her and share a son with her and we live together it affects me. She's considering buying a house. It's this new complex they're building. And she feels like if she gets in on the ground floor, buying off plans, you know, in the future, this is going to be the greatest thing. And I can't dissuade her totally from, from doing it. I was talking to some fella today. His name, his name was Christian. Sorry about this. I'm belching into the microphone. I could have just politely paused it, moved it away. But no, I'll tell you, This is warts and all, ladies and gentlemen. And I'll get back to the warts and all about bad comedy shortly. I haven't forgotten. I will forget, but I haven't yet. And um, so there's this place in Ottawa that building up there. They're touting it as like a greener, environmentally friendly, more sustainable housing project where like they're building like eight parks in the area and with a basketball court and all kinds of forestry. And then it wouldn't be that far away from Sarah's work in Ottawa because she works for the federal government, and they just move her office back there. She'd have chances for better promotions, better better opportunities. Like here, she's a lawyer, but that's it. Her ceiling is lawyer because there is no office here for her. They basically put her here as a favor because she wanted to move here for me. Because, you know, my comedy career was so important. I did so many things. So, uh, it's just now that we have the baby, you know, my family lives there. Her family lives there. And now that this opportunity's come up, like we're really going back and forth. Literally just before I came down to record this podcast, my wife was like, who needs a house? Honestly, do we all have to buy into that house in the suburbs mentality? the um, The American dream, the North American cookie cutter house system. You know what? You can't just live in a smaller spot in an apartment you can't just live life why well, who needs to spend all of their money on a house so that's where she is now by the time i get back she will literally be on the phone with the developer so how much do we put down and where do i sign the check because and i don't blame her We're, i'm the same i'm flip-flopping all over the place and I, this is somebody who said he'd never live in ottawa again i always said i hated it and i never wanted to go back but i'm getting old. Guys, I don't know if you know this, but my bones are falling apart. You know, and as you're getting older and then you have a kid, you realize it doesn't matter that you have a TV show or you worked on a TV show or you're internationally famous. None of it fucking matters. None of it matters. But what does matter is you want to enjoy what you're doing for a living and feel like you're a productive member of society. Now, I can maybe do that from Ottawa. Now, that's a big maybe. It's not a really great entertainment scene, uh, I'm sure there are things you can do. I don't live there currently, so I can't say for sure. But I do know while Toronto is not New York or Los Angeles, it does have an entertainment scene. It's also a pretty shitty one when you compare it to the United States, but it does seem to be the best one in Canada, seemingly. Haven't been out to Vancouver. My apologies to Vancouver if your scene is amazing. It's just there are ways to make. do you hear the way I fucking talk Jesus Christ no wonder that no one puts me on TV I'm like a pirate there are ways to make a living for fuck's sake you know my friends there are comedians who make money doing comedy and selling their comedy CD and getting their radio play but they also they work for TV shows they write or they star in them things like that now you can do more of that from here absolutely but does it fucking matter not really you know not really. So I'd say we're 60 40 going to Ottawa in the next couple of years. 60 40. But in the meantime, even if we put down a deposit on this place, that's 60 grand. And uh, even if we put that down, we're, we're definitely not going to be moving until sometime in 2019 because this shit needs to get built. So I have at least about a year, maybe a year and a half, to fucking just get myself going in the toronto scene and invent something come up with a show do something that netflix is like oh mr man we'll do that show for you and then maybe we rent out the house because all mark's got his own show on netflix you know he's or he's doing something good in toronto and we're gonna pause put pause on that and then we rent out the house and then maybe we do go but like again is it that great so you got a show on Netflix. If your son is going to have a better life in Ottawa, my God, guys, what a, what a good man I am. Considering my son over my own career. I mean, who does that? Not many people. Guys, I'm a special person. I am a special person. It's, it's, it's tricky, though, because my wife, I, I know she's, she wants to go. But at the same time, she really likes Toronto. And she's very worried, rightfully so. She's very worried that I'm going to be unhappy there. I'm worried about that too, you know, but who knows? I like independent film. It's something I was doing for quite some time. so if i if I've still got the stand-up going because I can keep that going there, that's not a problem. Still doing the stand up, still putting out comedy CDs and uh then maybe making an independent movie that people start watching, you know. Sell a script or two to Hollywood. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe it'll be the best move I ever made. You don't know. Or I could just get horribly depressed. And then when my son is at, you know, school and they're having a professional day or whatever it is where the parents come in and tell you what they do. Say, oh, my dad's an investment banker. My dad is an accountant. What does your dad do, Sam? He stays home and plays PlayStation. He's really sad. He wears his bathrobe a lot. Sometimes he cries into his cereal. Is that a job? But I don't know. I know this day and age, guys. We got equality. Men are allowed to stay home and take care of the home and do that. But it's just, as a personal... Personally, a personal thing is that I always... I don't know. I just thought I was good at this shit, you know? And I I might be. I seem to be. But it's one thing to be good at something, and it's another thing to be able for people to see that you're good at this. Like, here's a good example. There are people out there, maybe even people listening to this podcast, who are excellent artists. They maybe they paint and they have amazing paintings. But no one's really seen them. And maybe they, they put up a site on Etsy or something where people and a couple of people are like, oh, my God, this is one, of the best paintings I've ever seen. Can I buy this painting for twenty five dollars? But like they're not in art galleries. They don't have their own show. They don't have their own whatever. And so they're sitting there thinking, well, I think I'm good. I, I like it. it. It makes me feel good. But I don't have recognition from the world. And that's a tough thing. When you're doing art or entertainment, like my wife was saying like, you know, maybe your ego is too big. Like if you if if your self-satisfaction comes from the judgment of others, there's something wrong there. And that sounds right, Sarah. But the problem with entertainment is, is it is contingent upon the judgment of others. You do you don't need everyone to like you, but you do need a certain amount of people to like what you're doing or technically you're not entertaining anybody. So, to be a professional entertainer, one must get positive feedback from one's audience. And in comedy, that comes with a little notoriety. And if I don't get a little more of that, I just, I don't think I'll ever feel fully, um, not even fully, I won't feel very satisfied with the career, you know? But I don't know. Well, I bet we've been, we've been back and forth, been kicking it around, been asking all of our friends. You know, my friend Di Giovanni, who I mentioned earlier, she was like, yeah, but you'd have a house. Wouldn't that be nice? Because that's the thing is, like, the longer you do comedy, it's things like that where you're, you're just like, well, it'd be nice to do comedy for a living and have people like what you do, travel to a gig, do all right. You know, but then have a place to come home, a family, a nice family set up with a nice place to live. These things are good because I'll tell you what, now we'll get into the last part of the podcast. What I promised. Because when you actually consider what my job entails, I mean, my God, getting back into this comedy scene. Here's what I do. I just I just paused there because I, I don't think I told you guys this on the last podcast. No, I couldn't have. Because I went out to this show. Yeah, exactly. I went out to this show after our last podcast. I went out to the show on Thursday. So um, I went to this new comedy club. It's a small one. It's only been open for a couple of years. And it's just because I'm looking for more places to get out there and do sets. And I'm also looking to... Get ensconced in the Toronto comedy scene like never before, because I got about a year maybe before I go back to Ottawa. Go back to Ottawa, because I lived there for about 10 months once. And, um, you know, I want to at least give it a whirl for the next year, you know, really just, because I'm, look, I'm uncomfortable. That's what I'm saying that I say things that you won't hear the other comedians say. They all they all put up a brave face. No brave face on me. Cowardly face. I am uncomfortable all of the time. I'm always nervous. Uh, I'm always awkward. I uh, I usually just go to a place and I stay quiet. And um, you know, as people know from a few podcasts ago, people interpreted that as cocky. Can you believe that fucking shit? I was considered cocky the first few years of my stand-up comedy career. Because I would go up on stage and do pretty well. And then I'd come down and I would just be quiet and smile at everyone. So people just lump their own. Oh, this fucking guy. Look at him. Smiling. Piece of shit. So anyway. When I go out to this place, I don't push my luck. I don't say to the owner. I was introduced To the owner of the comedy club by a comedy friend of mine, and um, I cut off my comedy friend though he was like introducing me and saying, "Oh, he does, you know, these clubs." And I was like, "Oh, well, I'm independent. I do whatever." I was just I was kind of trying to be jokey, but I also didn't want the guy, I didn't want the guy to think I was wrapped up in one one particular club. But I should have let my friend Todd Todd Graham. By the way, he's a very funny comedian here in Toronto. And uh, you should check him out. So Todd Graham, he was introducing me to the guy. And maybe if I had shut up, Todd would have said, actually, he, no, he's a, he headlines the other comedy clubs. So, um, you would be safe to put him up. But the guy just thought I did spots at a comedy club. So he thinks I'm, that, that is good enough for him. But if he only knew that I am a 16 year headlining veteran, he would maybe have put me up that night. Maybe. The people he did put up. Whoa, boy. I tell you. It's the thing, right? Like, you, what you're actually doing in Toronto. My fucking God. And I, it was like this, too. When I was down in Los Angeles, I went to the comedy store, and um, this crazy fucking guy. He was Mitzi Shore, who owns the goddamn thing, Polly Shore's mom, in case you don't know. She's a nutcase. That awful Jim Carrey show was based on her, I think, uh, which makes sense because it was awful. She is awful as far as I... Oh, man, look at me. I just... I was just gonna say on the podcast, well, I was gonna open the podcast with, I'm gonna stop bad-mouthing people. I wrote that down in a note, which I did not follow, I was going to say, I'm going to stop bad people, especially in my industry. Because what good is that going to do? You know? And what if it gets back to them? It'll only affect me. And here I am. I just fucking, I can't help it. I'm just throwing Mitzi Chor, owner of the most iconic comedy club in the world. And I'm just fucking just. And then her and Jim Carrey, I'm, I'm throwing them both under the bus. Anyhoozles. They put up this guy, Dragon. His name was fucking Dragon. And the, the host of the show had to go up and literally wrestle, literally wrestle the microphone away from him. And he did a good job because uh, Dragon had just gotten out of jail and he was clearly on drugs and he was just rambling up there for about 20 minutes. And then so the host went up. He's like, you're done. You're done. And he was, Dragon was like, no, I'm fucking I'm Mitch's friend. He was like, I know. Get the fuck out of here. So it's not like Toronto. It only happens in Toronto. It's is like, there too. So at this one, there was this kid. He has schizophrenia and uh, like legit, like full-on schizophrenia. And he was talking about it and how he's suicidal and all these things and and not in a real coherent way. And it was really awkward, right? Like super awkward. And people didn't know how to take him. I've seen him perform like nine times actually. And no one ever knows how to take it, myself included. I just kept smiling. And he was like, hey, I got one person smiling in the back. And that was me. He forgot that he had met me 20 times already. And even including Thursday night, the night I was watching him before. I had I had talked to him 15 minutes prior to his set. And he was like, hey, there's a guy in the back smiling. That's cool. And it was fucking weird. And then the other acts that got up weren't. Much better. I mean, there was a few good ones. Todd Graham did a great, great set. The host, uh, he was very funny, and um, the rest of them were lunatics. And here I am trying to get on the shows with these guys. That's what sixteen years will get you: headlining shows, doing theaters, doing TV. It gets you fucking. Hey, can I go up after the schizophrenic? No, no. Do you need to see a tape? Do you? Okay. So then skip ahead to Friday night. I do a real comedy club. Uh, no, it's Saturday night. Sorry. Saturday night, I do a real comedy club. Place is fucking packed. I did well. I did great, you know, and felt good. Tried some new jokes. They went well. Feeling like a million bucks? Go down to another comedy club, the comedy bar, because guys, I got a year left. I got to make the best of it. And this, this kid, Daniel, Daniel Woodrow. Check him out. Very funny. <laughs> just I'll just promote people. See, I've gone from bad-mouthing people to promoting people. That's a new lease on life. Ottawa's already changed me. And uh, Daniel threw me on his show, The Perfect Ten, like everyone does ten minutes. And the thing is, it's because two of his comics hadn't shown up yet, so he thought the show was going to be short, so he asked me to do it because I was hanging out in the green room. And I never like being thrown on a show, but because I'm trying to make the most of my time, I said, sure, man, whatever you need. Plus, there were some people from the Juno Awards in the crowd. Um, and the Junos are the Canadian uh, Music Awards. They're like the... What is the fucking... The Grammys. They're the Canadian Grammys. And um, they were there. And uh, comedy albums. Which I'm releasing my comedy album, guys. I got my artwork done. It's I'm, I'm, I'm going to do a whole CD release thing. You know, I'm going to hire a publicist. I'm going to do a whole fucking thing. But uh, I'll probably give it to the to XM satellite radio right away. So it'll be coming out maybe in the next week. So, you know, uh keep tuned for that. I'll t- I, yeah, I'll fucking tell you next podcast or I'll tweet about it or who knows what. It'll be on my website most likely at some point. So, um since comedy albums can be nominated for Junos, I was thinking, well, if Daniel's offering to put me on, I can get up in front of these Junos people. I just done a show earlier that night. It always made the second show is always easier to do because you're a little more relaxed, you know, at least I find. So um, I get up there, and uh, I, I, he says, could you do, like, five to seven, though? So I, so I start, and I do five to seven. And I'm doing really well, I got to tell you. Uh, and this is, like, it's a room that I'm not that comfortable in because it's, uh, I'm old now, and this is a hip young bar. So all the comedians who are on the show, a lot of them are young. The audience is very young, but I'm doing real well, doing a lot of my baby stuff. And then I do this one about uh, I basically basically in a nutshell, I make fun of the Catholic Church uh, and I get to it by sort of making fun of Jewish circumcision, then getting into the Catholic Church. And it's not that bad. I'm not going to bore you with the joke Bo- well, I shouldn't say my jokes are boring. I'm not going to do the joke because it's weird to try to do a stand-up joke on a podcast. All right? All right? It's just weird. Okay? It's on my comedy CD. You guys can hear it for yourself. Oh, there you go. There's a teaser. And uh, it's not offensive. I'm t- I guarantee you it's not offensive. And, uh, and I, I had done it Saturday at the early show at a comedy club with a full diverse audience applause break which i almost always get on it it's one of my favorite jokes and um i do it at this fucking club because it's my it's my closer i'm gonna close with this joke because that's how strong it is that's how much i believe in it and i get fucking nothing so i had been killing all along going hey look at this i can connect with the kids i still got it you know maybe this year in toronto will turn out for the best Maybe I'm going to get an award at the Junos now. Look at the Juno people. They're all lit up with smiles. And then they just go, oh, oh, oh. Like they said, oh, so many times. And, like, here is why I know I'm not as comfortable as I need to be in these rooms. What I should have done is admonish the kids. Say, let me tell you something, you fucking sensitive, shrinking there's nothing. There's nothing offensive about that joke. You goddamn fucking... Just the daffodil cunts. That's, I, don't, I just, that's, that's my term for you people who are too squeamish when people say anything. I can't. Anywho. It's not offensive. You'll find it. You'll hear it on the CD. And the fact that they were like, oh, oh I was like, I should have fucking ripped him a new one. But I, I didn't. What I did was I just tried to do one more joke to kind of save it. And then that joke didn't do that great because they didn't like me anymore. They didn't like me as much. It wasn't horrific. And then I said, well, that's not how I wanted them. I said, good night. And I shouldn't have done that part either. I, re- I, I very much regret the last two things I did. Instead of doing one more joke, I should have just got down. I I, I, what I should have said, ah, oh, fuck you. That was funny. And then said good night. That's a, that's a good way out. For you aspiring comedians, if people are like, boo you, and like, boo, or eh, or they do so, especially when it's unwarranted. Just go, oh, fuck you, that's funny. And then even if they don't laugh, you said your piece. But usually people laugh when you say, fuck you, is funny. Especially when what you did is not actually offensive. Anyway, let's not harp on it. Let's not harp on it. So, this is what I'm saying. Other comedians probably wouldn't go on and on about their insecurities like that. I couldn't even fucking sleep. Woke up all night long, just like yeah, yeah, fuck you, fuck you, like just that's what I have to do. I shout, I like, I, I say, I. It's like you, I, you try to shout the the awkward memory out of your brain. Anyway, and then Daniel, like after the show, like ugh. Then the show went way too long because the two, the two comedians did show up and they did extra time, and the show wasn't started at eleven p.m. and it wasn't over till like ten to one, and then I fucking I was like ugh. And then because I'm uncomfortable and I'm a perfectionist, a perfectionist, because that part of my set didn't go great. The end, the part that you really want to go great. I felt awkward and embarrassed, but I'm trying not to look that way. So I'm just hanging around, just hanging around, quietly staring at everyone while they're talking and laughing. Oh, for fuck's sake. I basically then I just I just come home. My wife's like, how's the show? And I was like, let's move to fucking Ottawa. Let's just do it. Who gives a shit? But see, I'm not going to move like that. I'm not going to move because I have to and I feel to. That's what this next year is about. It's about beating the shit out of that awkwardness. It's about forcing it, making it happen. Keep going out night after night, even though people say shitty things to me and I continually get embarrassed. I'm just going to keep going and pretend I'm not embarrassed like all these other comedians. But I'm going to tell you fine people on the podcast how I really think and Unless you're also, the listeners are also people who are at the show, you'll never know the difference. You know, people at the show I'm talking about. Like all those guys, Daniel and all those guys, they were like, hey, Mark didn't seem that upset. He's, I, I was carrying myself like a normal person, a little bit of quiet, but that was about it. I wasn't going on and on about how I shouldn't have done this and I shouldn't have done that. But I will say it here. It's a safe space in the Prius recording studio and with you guys, my friends. Well, that's not how I'm going to Ottawa I'm not going to Ottawa because I need to I'll be going because I choose to if I go that's what this that's what this next little time is about now whether or not we put down a deposit on the house who fucking knows I'll let you guys know but I got I got my uh artwork back like I tell you I, I call him the CD bad bones obvious reasons guys bad bones I talk about my bad bones on the CD you guys check it out you know, maybe I'll make it free for all, any podcast listener. I'll do some kind of link or some shit. I don't know. You guys, if you're putting up with me in the podcast, then you 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 deserve to hear that fucking thing for free. Oh, but one of the good things, though, see, when you're out and about, good things happen. The Juno people were there. You don't want to know why the Juno people were there? Because uh, the guy who does the programming for XM Satellite Radio comedy... Uh, ben Miner, lovely man, very funny comedian and a lovely man. He was on the show with me. And so we're friends from from Ottawa. Coincidentally, we both started in Ottawa, Canada, started our stand up and he was there uh, to um, to do a set. He did great. And I told him, hey, my CD's finally ready. He said, oh, please send it over. That'd be great. See, so going out like things are already turning around. We're just going to rent out that house in Ottawa. Everything's going to be great. Guys, thanks so much for listening. This is Mark Joseph Bennett. I said shut up and good night.